Well, welcome to the Empower Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. Good. Well, uh, my name is Harrison, as Pastor Nick has just said, and I am very excited to be bringing our very last message in our Kings and Priests series. And I realized as I was making this message um, that this is the first time I've ever closed off a series. Uh, the reason I found that out is because every time I started to write something, I realized, oh, wait, that's already been preached. Um, so I'm, I'm really squeezing the orange, getting the last drops out. No, I'm kidding. It's, um, it's going to be an amazing message. Uh, but to be honest, as, as I was writing stuff, I realized over this series that we talked a lot about, I don't know, um, all, all that it means, all the good stuff that it means to be kings and priests and all that. And for this message, I've kind of... Um, <sighs> Who's who's in a relationship here? Anyone? Yeah, you got it. How hard is it to pick watching a movie with your spouse? It's just me. It's so hard, right? Right? Just me? Okay, cool. No, that's good. See, um, my wonderful wife, she's like a romantic comedy uh, kind of person. She likes a movie with a feel-good, you know, kind of atmosphere, jokes all around, happy ending at the end, all that kind of stuff. While me, I'm like, a, I want a tragedy. I want to like, you know, I want like the godfather. I want, you know, everything's gone wrong. You know, the criminal thought he was going to get away and then the last scene, the cop shows up. That's what I want. Um, and so I figured I got to play to my strengths, so I'm giving you the godfather of preachers tonight. It's tragedy. No, it's not, it's not all that. Um, it's, it's not completely that, um, you know. I, anyway, um, but <laughs> what I want to do, though, <laughs> getting back to, you know, actually preaching, uh, what I want to do is answer a question, a question that you might have asked, you might be asking, maybe it's a theoretical question to you, maybe you've never had this question, maybe it's a very intense personal question to you right now, but the question that I want to try and answer with this preach is, what if I don't feel like a king or a priest? What if I don't feel like a king or a priest? And if this isn't a question you've asked before, stay on the Christian journey for long enough. This question will come to you at some point there. Uh, But before we hop on this wild ride, why don't we pray? Lord God, I thank you for your presence in this place. Jesus, we, as we dive into your word, God, we dive into your presence because where your word is, there your power is. God, where your power is there, you transform lives, you bring mercy, you bring forgiveness. And God, we pray as we dive into your word tonight, Lord, would you, would you speak afresh to us? Would you give us new bread? Would you give us new wine? We just pray, Lord God, you would allow us to see what you want us to see, to hear what you want us to hear tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. I'd love to start with a quote um, from an old friend of mine named Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, We go way back, so far back. Um, And he says this, The gospel about the ten lepers is about how the nine were healed of their leprosy and then caught, so to speak, in an even worse leprosy, their ingratitude and unthankfulness. Herein lies the difference between sickness of the body and sickness of the spirit. Now, if you don't know what that gospel story is, we're going to read it right now. Luke 17, verse 11 to 19 says this, and this is Jesus. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let me read that quote more than time. The gospel about the ten lepers is about how the nine were healed of their leprosy and then caught, so to speak, in an even worse leprosy, their ingratitude and unthankfulness. Herein lies the difference between sickness of the body and sickness of the spirit. To try paint a picture to you about the question that I am trying to answer, because I know I just laid out in a sentence, but I, I really want to paint a picture of the reality of it. Um, it's a question that, to be honest, is, was a bit theoretical for me, but as I was writing this preach, it kind of made me realize, man, is this a question that maybe I have been given to you, God, recently? Um, see, I recently bought a house, and um, a little bit after buying a house, someone else in my street bought a house, um, and I'm in my 20s, and he's in his 20s. I'm married, and he is married. I have a pet, he has a pet. Maybe I shouldn't put the married and pet part together. There's no correlation there. Um, I go to the beach, he goes to the beach. Thank you for the laughs. That's what I'm here for. Um, I eat Wheat Bix for breakfast, he eats Wheat Bix for breakfast. I go to church on a Sunday, he sleeps in. And looking at his life and looking at my life, I had to begin to question God, what is the difference between me and him? As a, as a Christian, as someone that has been called a king and a priest, as our, our key verse for this whole series has been 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which is that we are a royal priesthood. It says it again in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. It talks about the priesthood that, that we have entered into due to our covenant, our joining in with Christ there. Anyway, back to what I was saying there. Looking at my friend, it's the question has come to me, what's, what's the difference? It's not, I'm not questioning there's no difference, but I'm trying to really get to the depths of what the difference is. And maybe you're a teenager and you go to school and, you know, you go to classes and your non-Christian friends go to classes and you get your grades and your non-Christian friends get their grades. And maybe you've even had the question of God, why is it that I, as a Christian, am getting worse grades than my non-Christian friends? I've got a really practical answer. You don't study enough, but, you know, it's, that might be a very... That was a joke as well. They're not, they're not landing. It's all good, guys. Thankfully, the Word of God's going to save us tonight. Um, hopefully, we're getting, we're getting the situation. We're getting the question. And what I realize is that based in that question is actually a wrong understanding of God. It's an understanding that my faith is about getting fleshly, worldly fruit out of it. My faith is about getting... I need to be careful with my words here. Maybe I should look back at my notes out. Um, <laughs> my faith is about what can I get for me? When my faith is about what can I get for me, can I let you know, you can make a lot of money by not being here at church right now. I don't know if you guys have heard about this thing called penalty rates, but uh, you can make some big money on a Sunday, okay? So the fact that you're here means maybe I'm preaching to the wrong congregation, and I praise God for that there. But nonetheless, we get this idea of that if we are going into our faith simply seeking for, and maybe I'm touching a sore point here, but simply only seeking for maybe a healing of my body, then we probably come to the wrong faith. Now, hear me right, God wants to heal your body, but if that's all we're coming to it for, then we're just like the nine lepers that get healed and then on our way, on my bike, thanks God, I'll get on with my life. So what is the cure then? What is the cure to this question of God? What's the point of this faith if things kind of seem pretty much the same for me in my everyday life? Well, I think if we look back at the story of the leper, we get the answer right there. Verse, uh, verse 16, he threw himself, this is the only one that came back, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then what does Jesus say? 
he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, I believe in this, that Jesus is saying your faith has made you well, literally in your body, but I also get the feeling that Jesus didn't say this to any of the other nine. He didn't say your faith has made you well to any of the nine that went on their way and didn't come back to Jesus. I, I really do believe that Jesus is speaking to this leper here and saying, you are not just healed in your body, but due to your thankfulness, due to the praise that you have come and given me, you're also, you're also now healthy in your spirit. Because we can be so healthy in our body, but we can be sick in our spirit. And the sickness of a spirit is a sickness of distance from God. And the way in which we find ourselves distance from God is by not acknowledging His glory, acknowledging Him for who He is. And so when, as kings and priests, sometimes we can get ourselves into this question of what's the difference, God? Can I encourage you, come to Him with thankfulness. Come to Him with praise, because as we do it, it begins to shake up. What am I actually looking at, God? Am I just looking at the friend that I've only got a PS3 while my non-Christian friend has a PS4, while not looking at the fact that my soul is saved and my name is written in the book of life. When we look at fleshly things, this question will come about, but when we look with eyes of the Spirit, when we look with eyes of faith, this question has no room in our lives there. To go on with it, now that I've kind of, you know, preempted you, warmed you up, I'm going to let the Bible um, say some really brutal words to us because I'm all about that. Malachi chapter 3. The wicked, and no, it's not 310, um, Anyone know Malachi 310? It's a classic. Go read it. It's so good. We're going to go a little bit after it. It's the part we, um, we don't get to after it. Um, the wicked say in their heart, it is the same. There's no use. This is what uh, we read in Malachi 3, verses 13 to 20. Your words are too much for me, says the Lord. This is, this is God. Your words are too much for me. You ask, what have we spoken against you, God? And God says, you have said it is useless to serve God. For what do we gain by observing God's requirements and by going about as mourners before the Lord of hosts? But we call the arrogant blessed, this is what God's saying, you call the arrogant blessed, for evildoers, they don't only prosper, they even test God and escape. This is kind of just God basically saying to the Israelites this time, you're asking that question to me, but even in even more offensive manner, you're saying, God, what's the use of serving you? Evildoers, you know, they're, they're doing way better than me in this life here. And what's God's response? Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord listened attentively. A record book was written before him of those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my own special possession on the day when I take action. And I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. Then you will again distinguish between the just and the wicked, between the person who serves God and the one who who does not. For the day is coming blazing like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch, says the Lord of hosts. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Justice will arise with healing in its wings, and you will go out leaping like calves from the stall. How good is that, hey? I don't know, I, I just read that this week and I was like, uppercut, straight to my face, God just... Giving me, giving me a massive spiritual wedgie. Um, that's an Andy Goulet saying, go do Red Frogs, guys. It's awesome. Um, this whole verse here is got in, for a little bit of context of the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi is actually a book written to the priests. It starts in chapter one. He's, God comes and disdains the priests for their indifference to the sacrifices that have been ordained, that they're sacrificing spotted sheep and not the perfect ones, that they're constantly giving God less than he deserves and he has asked for. And this comes in on the third chapter here, but that's what brought me to this book here. I was like, all right, 
kings and priests? What's a book written to priests? And Malachi is a book written to priests in the Old Testament context, but as priests, we take on that Old Testament station, um, you know, occupation is now ours in Christ Jesus here. But the point of me reading this here is I want us to just grasp for a second what God has to say to that question of what's, what's the point? Because really when we ask, what's the point of this faith? We're asking, God, isn't it the same for me as it is for the other person? Isn't it the same for me as it is for the other person? And the reality is what we're missing when we see that is that it might be the same right now, but it's not going to be the same in the next age to come. And I'll be honest, like we have a lot in the Bible. I'm not here to give us a theology of heaven and hell tonight. That's more of a Pastor Paul job than silly old Harrison job, so I'll leave that for next week after he listens uh, to the podcast. Thanks, Pastor Paul. It's going to be an amazing message. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> but the point that I want to bring here is that when we look at the present age, yeah, the sun rises on the just and the unjust, you know, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But there will be a time where people are held accountable for their actions. And the reality is, is praise God Praise God for that. I know it can be a little bit icky for us here today. We want everything to be sunshine and lollipops because we live in a very sheltered nation where most of the time things are pretty sunshine and lollipoppy. But the reality is, is praise God that people in the Taliban are going to be judged. Praise God for it. That evil will not continue to reign on this earth forevermore. Evil will eventually stop to be. And the only person that, person, the only being that can bring a pure stop to evil is God. Yes, we do obviously bring stops to evil in our humanly way through things such as law and the courts and all that, but we know even in doing those things, evil continues to be promulgated. Even in law, sorry, my, my, um, my wife's studying law, I'm going to get such a talking to after this message, but even in law, we see as we try to combat evil, evil still comes about and about and about. I know I'm going pretty large with the ideas here tonight, but I feel like it's so important for us to remember that evil will eventually be quenched. It will eventually be no more. And for you, maybe you're suffering some evil in your life in the here and now. Can I tell you, evil does not win out. Evil is not eternal. Love is. Evil does not have the final say. Love will have the final say. And so for us, as we go about this life as kings and priests, and we ask, what's the difference? Why not screw over that person and make a couple more dollars? Why not say no to God and make my, you know, two times wage on the, on the Sunday, whatever it is? Can I just remind you for a sec, don't look through fleshly eyes, look through spiritual eyes. Evil will not win. The servants of God, the people of God will eventually be glorified in the day to come. Romans 11.36 says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, we are the kings and the priests to God. That's who He's called us to be in Christ Jesus, which is a miracle. But I, I just felt to remind us today as, as the church that Christ is not just the God of the church. Yahweh is not just the God of the Christians. He's the God of the universe, of all creation. And as such, He doesn't just hold Christians in His hand, He holds the whole world in His hand. He's indifferent of nothing. And just to describe, God, I know that, you know, hopefully no one here is an atheist. Well, no, actually, I hope everyone here is an atheist, because you came to hear the gospel. Praise God, how amazing. But God is the God of the atheists. They're, they're, you know, they're obviously going to get offended by me saying that. Christ is the God of the Muslims. He is. They just don't know it. Christ is the God of the fascists. 
He's the God of the Nazis. He's the God of the Democrats. He's the God of the Republicans. He's the God of my cat. He's the God of my wife. He's the God of me. He's the God of my family members that know him. He's the God of my family members that don't know him. He's the God of all my previous schoolmates. He's the God of every single person that lives on my street. He's the God of the ocean, the God of the constellations. He's the God of angels. He's the God of demons. He's the God of everything. For from Him and through Him and to Him are not Christian things, but all things. To Him be the glory forever. What's the point? I mean, there's so many points we can extrapolate from this, but one point that I want to bring up, and I was going to bring up a bit of Malachi, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to do it, is that God is not indifferent of anything. There's not a single thing, not a single moment of time, of eternity, not a single atom, not a single person that He is like, yeah, I, I, I forgot to think about that one. He's, there's no indifference in God. He cares about every single thing in this universe. And he, in a sense, has a relationship to every single thing in this universe. It's just for some, it's a relationship of blessing, of salvation, of redemption. For some, it's currently a relationship of wrath, of God bringing condemnation for a lack of humility, a lack of accepting the forgiveness of God. This is the reality, the truth of the Bible here. What's the point that I want to get to us here is that God actually, I I know we say this a lot, but I want to get it in. God cares about every person around you more than you do. And He cares about the wrongs being made right in their life. And He cares about them coming. His will, His desire, as we read in Peter, is that all should be saved. Is that all should come to Christ, should come to repentance, should come to God to know Him and to live a life of loving um, communion with Him for all of their days. But I don't know about you, as I was reading this, I began to realize, God, that's not my attitude all the time. You're not indifferent of anything, but I know that sometimes I hold indifference to my neighbor. Sometimes I forget you're the God of the person next door to me. Sometimes I forget that you're also the God of that family member. And the reality is is that as Christians, we're called to imitate Christ. And I, as reading through the Bible this week, I was reading through um, the, um, the famous passage where a, uh, a rich young man comes up and says, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then what does Jesus do? He says, what does it mean to love my neighbor? And what's the story that Jesus gives him? He gives the story of the Good Samaritan, where a priest, who? A priest walks by the road of someone that is mugged, robbed, laid dying in the middle of the road. You know what the priest does? He doesn't spit hate at them. No, he's just indifferent. He sees them and he continues to walk. So the opposite of love isn't hate. It's actually indifference. And one thing that I feel for the church is that, and this is, I'm preaching to myself right now. So often I'm concerned with the church because maybe not through any preaching or not through anything, but just in my mind, I get the idea that, you know, God, you're, you're the God of the church, and so we need to work in the church. And obviously he is the God of the church and we need to do that there. But the reality is that God is the God of this whole world. He's the God of every single person in it, and He doesn't want us to be indifferent to a little speck of it. And to go through the practicalities of what that looks like, does that mean I need to go and, you know, like, run out of this building and, you know, literally text message every seven billion people and, you know, somehow share the gospel with them because I don't want to be indifferent? That's not it, but what the story of the Good Samaritan shows is that whoever's in front of us, let's not be indifferent to them. Let's not be indifferent in showing them love. Let's not be indifferent in modeling Christ to them in the way that we're called to model it there. Because I don't want to be the priest that walks by. Because it was a priest. He wasn't not a priest. He was a priest. And so are you a priest. But just because you're a priest doesn't mean that we're going to act like one. Just because we're a priest doesn't mean we're going to act like one. 
you're a priest, so you're forgiven, so you're part of the family of God. But can I spur you on? Let the Holy Spirit inspire you. Let the Holy Spirit get inside of you every day to begin to look with fresh eyes to see that, God, you are the God of that person. I don't want to be indifferent to them. God, you have called me to love that person that really in the flesh I'm not too cool with, to be honest. But God, because you've called me to, I will love that person with a pure heart. He is the God that is indifferent of nothing. We're called to model him in the same way. If I can invite the band up. Where the world brings indifference, we bring mercy. Where the world brings indifference, we bring condemnation of evil as well. There's two sides. We can bring love, but we also need to condemn that which is evil. That's two sides of indifference. We don't want to be negligent of either, negligent of helping out the person in front of us and also negligent of stopping that person that is doing something that is robbing someone of their worth. You know, real practical, simple example. Someone's getting bullied in your school. As a Christian, as a priest, stop it. Don't know what that looks like, but whatever you're led to do in that time that you think is going to help you stop it, stop it. Because that's the call of God for our lives. It's not just, you know, get saved, you know, kick your feet up on the lounge and wait to get to heaven. No, it's bring the kingdom to earth. Bring the kingdom to earth. That's what the kings do. That's what the priests do. They bring the kingdom to earth. And just know that your works are works for God. Your works are works for God. For those of you that are serving in this church, you're running a life group maybe, you're on the, I see a couple of Dream Team shirts, you're serving on the Dream Team shirts, your works are works for God. The wicked say there's no point, it's useless, what's the effect? But God says, no, your servants, you're written in the book of life. The wicked say, what's the point? What do I get out of this? What's going on for my life? You know, my other mate's not doing it, and he seems to be doing pretty well. The priests and the kings say, this is my calling, this is my vocation, to build the kingdom of God. To build the kingdom of God, why? Because Christ died for me. Because he loved me. Because he has saved my soul, not just my body, but he has saved my soul. He has saved my spirit. This whole Christianity thing, this whole Christ thing, I, I know I almost said the opposite, that it's about bringing the kingdom to earth, and obviously it is. But hear me right, it's about being spirit, having our spirit healed from the absolute torment that sin is to it. Sin is death of the spirit. The sacrifice of Christ is to bring our spirit back to life. And let, if your spirit has been brought back to life, let it live. Let it live. Don't fall back into the ways of doubt. I said the opposite of love is indifference. The opposite of sin is faith. It's true. It says so in Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. And so when we get to those places of doubt, we're kings and priests, I'm a Christian, but I'm looking at people and I'm thinking, man, I don't know, God, this doesn't seem to be working out for my life. When I get to that place of doubt, I confess faith in response. And I come in repentance to God and say, God, I've sinned in my unbelief. I need to get back to realizing what you've done to me. I need to get back to seeing I can't believe how good the Lord is. I need to get back to seeing I can't believe what you have done for my life, the soul that you have saved. We bring faith to our doubts. We bring faith to our doubts. Faith is the substance of this whole thing. It's not a band. It's not a preacher. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's not your works. It's not being a good person. It's faith. Faith is what makes us right with God. As a Christian, don't lose it. And if you do, come and repent. Don't look at it as a small thing. Faith is all we've got. When our faith starts to waver, that's it. That's 
That's the whole thing of this faith. We need to keep it strong. And your faith will waver because we're people. And things happen. Bad things happen in our life and we wonder why. But stay faithful. Stay faithful in what you're doing. I know maybe I'm only preaching to a couple people here tonight, but some people need to hear it. Stay faithful to what you're doing. Why don't we stand on our feet? I really felt... um, that, that song, I Can't Believe How Good the Lord Is, is, is just a song for this time. I'm so grateful that, that KCC wrote it. Great guys. Um, I'd love for us to sing through it again tonight. And I'd love for you to really bring not just a thankful heart for, I don't know, the, the fleshly, the worldly things that God has done for you, but to actually come to Him and be thankful for how He saved your spirit and saved your soul. Because sometimes I find, like, and there's not, we can... Hear me right. This is just for tonight. I'm not saying don't thank God for the, the fleshly, the worldly things happening in life. We should thank God for that there. But I feel like tonight is a night for us to remember, God, forget, you know, my life could go down the toilet, but you still saved my soul, and so I will sing forevermore. God, I could get mugged tomorrow, sent to Siberia, you know, and die in a week. But nonetheless, I will sing gratitude because that's just worldly stuff. That's just in the world. But the reality is, is that I'm no longer of this world. I'm of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a priest. That's what you've been called to be. And so as we sing this song, I love to sing from that first verse. Let's sing with thankfulness for what God's done in our soul.